And we're back. And we're black. Still. And we've been day drinking. So the setup today took a little bit longer than usual, but I'm feeling pretty good. Maybe because I'm not feeling much at all. I'm drinking white. I haven't had that much um, to drink. Maybe a couple of glasses of wine and a glass of sparkling uh, white. And uh, I don't know. It's just, you know what? I know. I, just, I actually know exactly what happened. You called what a glass of sparkling white what? A glass of giggles. But that's because Matthew Good called it that on the wine show. However, for me, this is why I do not drink sparkling wine, because it's I'm convinced it's the bubbles. They get in my bloodstream. Not the carry. alcohol. No, it's not. I haven't had that much alcohol. The, those little bubbles carry. It's the bubbles that do it. They get into my bloodstream. They carry the alcohol very quickly to my, uh, to yes. my, to my frontal lobe, and my reason goes out the window. So that's what's happened. Do you realize how ridiculous that is? That's like someone saying my ass is big, not because of the chocolate <laughs> in the arrow bar, but because of the bubbles. Well, <laughs> listen, I can't, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> However, I can't explain because I have not had that much to drink, but I feel really, 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 um, um, yeah, like I, yeah, lit. All right. Basically. Well, right now, a show dog is in your lap, so mm-hmm. we're hoping that will help. Help what? Like she's a therapy dog to, because I'm an alcoholic? No, help with the howling that we have oh. off mic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I, I thought you meant in case I went into the DTs or something, she could like talk me back to, to normal. Yeah. And the velocity with which we've been recording and posting has increased exponentially. True. True, true. We had our recent episode with Floyd talking about Gina the Joneses. Yes. Which honestly... Even if there was no Floyd, I know I would have probably still picked it just because black lady director, black lady in the picture yeah. when I was going through. I would through. have too. Yeah. So it's like a bonus. Mm-hmm. Although I still have not heard about my tickets from Floyd. So if you were to listen to another episode, either now or in the future, after he ends up screwing me inevitably for hanging, handing out pic- pictures or tickets or whatever. No, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll be on him. I'll be talking to him tomorrow. I talked to him today. He was at the... It's very mysterious. He, I was talking to him and he's like... Okay, I have to call you back. I'm checking in. I'm like, checking in where? He's like, at the airport. Like, where are you going? And then he was like being all, he was all obfuscating. I'm like, uh, why don't you just tell me where you're going? So he's in New York. Don't know how long or whatever. I was very, I was like, why? How do I not know this? Because I need to know every detail of Maybe he's secretly working on Black Panther. Uh, The movie or the movement? Either. Oh, yeah. I was just or like, both. I was like, how you, why are you holding it out on me? So uh, uh, he will, um, yeah, but don't worry, I'll, uh. I'll, I'll get tickets if it kills me. All right. We'll take his if that's what it comes to. Absolutely. And other things in black movie news this week, or movie news this week that was accidentally black, once again, the internet lost its damn mind because it was revealed, allegedly, that uh, Zendaya may be playing... Not even alleged. Uh, it's, uh, a hundred, it's a hundred. Yeah, no, the, uh, the director came out and defended the casting choice, saying that it has nothing to do with... Uh, like Mary, well, basically saying that Mary Jane is not a physical description, and that it would be really stupid. I'm heavily paraphrasing, but basically, basically saying it would be dumb to cast a role based on physical characteristics because those characters who are only a bunch of uh, physical descriptions are shallow. If that's all that it is, like red-haired freckles is not. That's not a human. Like that's that's a that's a character breakdown. That's not a character. Let me play fire crotch advocate for a second. Uh, well, actually, so why don't you go back and then say what the actual it of the it is. The it is that Zendaya, she of now one name. <laughs> but Zendaya Coleman. 
has been cast as Mary Jane in the news. Is it called Spider-Man Homecoming? Yes. Yes. With or the, Spider-Man High School, as I heard it referred to. <laughs> the kid that you saw taking... Tom Holland. Yes. From Captain America's shield yes. in Civil War. Mm-hmm. You saw it in a trailer if you saw a movie at all in the past six months. Anyway, moving on. So it was confirmed that that was the role that she was cast as. She is a mixed race mm-hmm. person. The other half of her race... I mean, if the other half of her race was Asian, there would be different challenges with this. I'm sure the internet would have. If the other half of her race was... I don't know. What's another thing that somebody could be half of that's I? enough to piss people off? Oh, what do you mean? I don't know. Like, But I'm saying like she's, bl- she's, mean, she's, she's oh, half, half white. black, half white. Oh, but like, oh the other half that would, yeah. that, that would set everybody... Yeah. Um, what else would make crazy white people angry? Like the um, other half would have to be... Well, Asian would be... Uh, I think would, that would be up there. Yeah, that would be... Although people would throw some ghosts in the shell in your face super quick. Yeah, I mean, but one wrong doesn't... I mean, this is not a wrong, but one doesn't negate another. So, yeah, anyway... But but she's she's, biracial, she's half black, half white. And she's been cast as Mary Jane. If you read comic books, historically, Mary Jane has been cast as a slightly curvy, ginger, freckled uh, white girl. Yeah. And this is a problem for a segment of people who for reasons want to say that their issue is because of being true to the source material. Yeah, so that's what they always fall back on. On the flip side, I tweeted the thing that I tweeted when people were all up in arms about Idris Elba and Dark Tower. I retweeted the same thing that I tweeted back then, which is merely without words, a highlighted like subset of the character description of someone you may know as Red from one of like the top rated of all time movies, Shawshank Motherfucking Redemption. Red is described in the book as an older Irish gentleman with thinning hair. In the actual movie script, they left in a joke about him being Irish, even though he was played by the voice of God, Morgan Freeman. So, if you think casting somebody who isn't matching the source material as... The character can ruin something. I will say only if there's uh, bad writing and bad acting. But this is so. If your problem is with her acting, if your problem is that like I don't like this person's acting, and under things that we may get into later on, we're going through our top picks for the festival. Um, there was a movie where they described one character um, being portrayed as without affect, and I was like, oh, so you're saying this this actress is giving you a real case too, like no expressions, no nothing, yeah, like. Yeah. If you have a problem with someone's acting style, that's one thing. But if you haven't watched them in anything, whether it's, you know, Shake It Off or whatever other thing she's in. Was she in Shake It Off? I don't know what Zendaya was in. What's Shake It Off? I think it was one of those Disney shows. Uh, I, I have no idea. I know Bella Thorne was in that and she got the internet all mad because she... I don't know why she's famous. She... I... Anyway, <sighs> point is... Why not just admit that you're really angry because she's black? black? And actually, I would respect people more if they just admitted, I don't like this because she's black. Well, think about the Hunger Games controversy where the actress who played Rue, in the book, the character was described as being, I mean, I don't think there was even any ambiguity around it. Uh, She was a black girl. And all of District 11 was because yes. guess what? They were picking fucking cotton. That was the farming district. I mean, I have my whole, I have a whole other. That cotton didn't pick itself. Yeah. And I got like a, I got a problem with that, with the representation of the districts and how that this all, but anyway, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go off on that tangent, but the, the, the character was black and people, there was a human cry because 
in the movie, the character who had been described as black in the source material was black. Even Katniss. Katniss, Everdeen, I mean, they... You they know, seemed a bit mixy in yeah, the book. Yeah, like, like she, yeah. Was, she was a brown girl, whatever, the, whatever that means, but she was, um, you know, and it's like it's a dystopian future. So she was never described been, as alabaster yeah, skin. So there, there could have been some miscegenation. Yeah. Who knows uh, what Katniss's background ethnically was. It didn't matter. But, you know, and, you know, that's why they put Jennifer, blonde Jennifer Lawrence in... You know, they they browned her up to a significant to to a certain extent in the movie, and you know so like not the level of Fisher Stevens and Johnny Five. No, but. but this was a character that was not written as white. Goes to a white actress, that doesn't seem to be a problem. But when you actually have characters who are, I mean, and what were you mad about in Hunger Games? I feel like the district, the lumber district, Joanna Mason's, right. should have been more Canadian. I would have liked a little <laughs> more plaid. Maybe somebody doing a log driver's waltz. Uh, yeah, like I love that that uh, whirling around, whirling, whirling down uh, white water. Yeah. That's how the yeah. log driver yes. just step lightly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, my problem was that uh, be- there was a homogeneity in all the districts, so no place is one thing or another. So uh, when they did, uh, you know, just. Uh, it would have been they nice if the fishing news. district was a bit more mm-hmm. Japanese, oh, maybe even. Or Nova Scotian. Is you, that racist? You know, you know what my heart no, Nova Scotian. Whatever. You know what my heart is. Yeah. Um, but um, when they did... If they said eyes the bye. <laughs> uh, they, uh, <laughs> uh, when they showed the news footage of the various districts uh, on whatever, what's it called? Whatever day that it is that you, like, the tributes get named or whatever. I yeah. Know. Reaping. Reaping, Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't really need to see a camera cut to a whole bunch of like black faces staring up at a camera. Um, I did think that there was a very easy stereotyping that went on, but that's beside that's beside the point. That's about filmmaking. That's not about um, how roles are uh, are cast in Hollywood. Um, and we're at a point now where, I mean, you will have people who are hardcore and who. Uh, hey, and a black lady and a president at the end. They really gloss over that. I feel like people were in so what? mad about Rue. So Hunger... Oh, wait. Suppose for Hunger Games. Who was a black lady? In the last movie? Yeah. Oh, I didn't finish that. I couldn't, I couldn't get through that nonsense. It, so, oh, it so President Snow... It wasn't great. And it wasn't Julianne Moore? I don't want to spoil it. Well, <laughs> it was... It <laughs> More was, than I have already. It was spoiled the minute it was made. <laughs> Ta-da. Um, but anyway, the, uh, the point being that uh, there are people who are married to the source material. That's fine. Um, but... A movie is not a book, and any time there's an, uh, a book or a comic book is adapted into a screenplay, things are lost, things are gained, uh, things are collapsed, uh, whole characters disappear. So filmmakers make choices, and one of those choices comes down to casting, and if you think Zendaya is a great choice for the role, and actually that's her... her um, uh, involvement in the movie actually makes me excited because I'm kind of excited. I'm way more interested yeah. in seeing it now. I had no interest in seeing yet another Spider-Man until I saw the casting announcements. And actually, uh, I will show you offline, but there's this fantastic video of Tom Holland, Zendaya, and Zendaya's uh, choreographer dancing. And it is adorable because he was Billy Elliot uh, on uh, on stage. Well, there were a lot of Billy Elliot's. They but had like yeah. four of them. They have yeah. as many Billy Elliot's as they of, have he was Matilda's. One of the Billy Elliot's. But he also looks remarkably like Jamie Bell. Oh. Uh, like a Tom Holland. Does he like, have those ears? No, but he looks uh. so much like a young Jamie Bell. But there's this great video of them like just in a house, like just dancing for. So people are speculating that maybe because 
it's homecoming, so there may be like a dance breakdown <gasps> in the movie, but no one knows this, right? But it's, oh, but it's so adorable. My. And he actually, the kid can move. God, if they have a high school musical level, yeah. we're all in this together moment, I might lose my I mean, actual that, shit. That may happen, but you know, that's TBD. But anyway, the, uh, the, the uh, I think it's on Instagram and it's adorable. The point is, people, look at what casting another brings you in terms of storytelling opportunities. Perhaps there might be actual dancing because yes. I'm sure she can dance. Actually, the funny thing is, in the video, Tom Holland dances better than Zendaya. What? what? I'll show you when we, when we, have, a, when we have a break. I'll, I'll why don't we you. have a breakdown and okay, uh, okay. right. freshen up these white wines? Because yeah. why should we stop drinking? It's working out so well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's early. We'll be back with our top early picks before we built our schedules, but we'll also talk about the new website because the new website is a bit of a challenge. Yes. Yeah. The struggle is real. And we're back. Yes. And we spent about 15 minutes too long watching videos of Zendaya dancing so that I could prove that she could dance better than Tom Holland. I feel like she was letting him win. No, I... Like women do in the workplace where they let the man (laughs) actually appear to be... I feel like she was doing that thing where you hold back when you're dancing with a white friend. You've done it. Don't even lie. Okay, but the kid... But you're making him sound like an enfeebled cripple. He's not an enfeebled cripple. It's just they don't want to like... But he's a dancer. There's a level of dancing that you do when you're like with other I'm just saying he's more... I'm saying he's more fluid and she's more technical because her choreographer was like definitely... She was like better than both of them combined. She was very, very loose. Anyway, you have to let the public judge for themselves. So just look up... Zendaya, Tom Holland. Until I see some dancing. like unedited footage of her at like a rap party dancing, and I see that she's actually not way better than everyone else who's dancing around her, then I will agree with you. But I feel like she's doing that thing that people do when they know they're a better dancer than everyone else, which is like hold back. <laughs> you, okay, that's like saying, yeah. So someone's mm-hmm. they appear dumb, but they're holding back. You can never disprove that. Yeah, it's like Lydia's character on Teen Wolf. Why? Why am I doing this right now? Anyway, moving on. The tip website. So under this week's fails. Actually, let's start with what's good. Is that why there's a pause and not been saying it? Okay, under this week's fails, the new design, uh, black and white, no call to actions all over, is making it difficult for people to discern what you should do next. Uh, mm-hmm. If a site has a design that leads you through the process, mm-hmm. the conversion funnel, if you will, it highlights or sort of de-emphasizes decisions you've already made or things you already know. Uh, I got my email telling me that I had to print off something or pull up a barcode uh, to pick up my program book, and I could not get the instructions to work to print the actual paper. I was able to, on my mobile phone, get the QR code up, and then when I showed it to the person, uh, they were all, but there's supposed to be a barcode. (laughs) I had to explain that a QR code is really what you mean here because that's all your site has. So I had to log out, fully log in, and show her this is what I have. I was the fourth person in line to get my program book. I can only imagine what the poor fools after me were dealing with. Also, the fact that it was white and black and hard to log into, I posted a picture on Twitter. You can see a bunch of people sitting there with their hands sort of shielding their eyes. Uh, Where they have the temporary box office set up in Metro Hall, they Mm -hmm. have sort of sun streaming in. The new design is so delicate and precious that the poor undertrained volunteers can't burn actually off, so. on their shitty like Dell laptops that they have every year. I feel like they're the 
laptops that they still have from the first year they went into online ticketing, they actually can't see anything. Oh, wonderful. And we watched like three people help one person log in, person after person as they went down the line. Normally they actually open up the box office to pick up your program book a little bit early because they're usually ready early. This year was one of the first times they actually, in recent memory, that they waited to like nine on the dot, not because they were being super strict, but more because most of them weren't logged into their terminals until just before nine. There we are. Fail. We're on the raggedy edge. I don't know how I'm going to place orders for my 40 tickets. Half the people that I've even said, maybe I'll get you a ticket, no promises. I'm going to send out a bunch of like emails and texts tomorrow to be like, by the way, I said I might get you a ticket. I don't even know if I'll get tickets for the movies I want to see, which we'll talk about in the next segment. How do you feel? Does this concern you? Um, well, it doesn't concern me any more than it ever has. Um, Tiff is like, I've described it before as an abusive relationship. I keep on going back to it. Um, it will be... I don't want to get into all my complaints. Uh, it is about two-thirds into the digital world. But the things that you have to do physically make no sense to me. I buy my tickets. I get all my movie picks. And I wait until the very last day to pick up my tickets to avoid a long lineup. I go to pick up my ticket, guess what? A long lineup. There's no way around that. If my tickets are bought online and fulfilled online, why do I have to go and pick up physical tickets? This is, irks me. Um, so uh, I kind of, uh, you know, they've always managed to, to make it work. So I think they'll make it work this year. Does that mean that there won't be frustrations? Of course not. But I don't see the, the system ever collapsing. I hope it means that Tim Gunn gets magically involved like some sort of fairy godmother. Make it work. Yeah. But the thing is, I mean, I don't know what their fail-safe is if the system goes down because there's so much money and there's so much infrastructure. Yeah, so, but they already have my money. Even if I don't get a ticket for no, a single let's say, movie. No, but let's say that for some reason the online ticketing completely collapses. What do they do? And this is a great question. I don't know that they have a contingency, but it just seems that things always work in their favor. So uh, not my favor. Like it's, each year it's, a, it's like a pain in the ass for me. But that was a weird mix but, of Shakespeare and love and Hunger Games. But it always works out. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it'll be the same shit show as it is. I'll be in a sweaty lineup when I don't want to be when I get on my movie picks. But, um, yeah, ugh, you know what? It is. It is. I'm going to say an unintended side benefit of this whole situation is not since the advent of the smartphone in the late aughts have I talked so much to other people in line. Yeah. Other years, That's you know, people stopped. are surfing on their phones or whatever, miss, even, you know... The yes, ladies. I missed the pre-smartphone days. This year, there was so much chatter in the lines. Like, we were all talking. We were all talking about the same thing. How Shitty crazy the yeah. process is to try to buy anything now with the new site. But it really brought people together. And then, from that discussion, we talked about our favorite programmers, or at least favorite programmers. You know who I'm talking about. And other things. But it was actually really good because... People stop talking to each other in line as much since the smartphone came. Yeah. So the one unintended benefit of the horrible, terrible, no good, very bad usability this year is that people will be talking to each other again, if only to moan about their journey to get to the movie. Yeah, I mean, and if it continues into the festival, then you'll sit down next to someone and be like, oh my God. Oh my God, what that a website. nightmare. It's a great, it's a great conversation to yeah. start, though. Yeah. Because I think this, more than anything, allows people to understand usability is a thing. It seems kind of ephemeral, but 
it, it really makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, what troubles me is that, uh, but it's always troubled me because I've worked in online, in online, <laughs> in an online environment for a really long time. And what always, or what never happens is no one ever consults the end user. And if anyone had the forethought to take somebody who was, you know, you know, relatively computer savvy and spent a lot of time online and said, here, this is what the new site looks like. Just click through it. Like, do a, like, here's a scenario. Like, just buy tickets. If they ever did that and people were like, this makes no sense. I don't know where to click. But this never happens. And this always is troubling when people spend uh, a lot of money and a lot of time creating something without ever thinking of the end user. It's like, you're wasting your money. Like, think about how wonderful it would be if there was a really clean, efficient way to go into the site, buy your tickets, get them fulfilled on your smartphone, if that's what you choose, to walk up, scan them. Oh, yeah. Oh, like just... That was the other thing in the ladies. money, and then then you don't have someone like me standing... Like, why should I be there clogging up your line? Like, I shouldn't be... Like, me... I shouldn't be in, in a line. I can do everything online. I'm much more comfortable doing things online than, than maybe someone who's older or less tech savvy, but I don't need to be in your line. You'll make my life easier, and you'll make your own festival better. And I don't know why they haven't taken that leap, because we're so close. Like it's, I almost wish that you know, like we made it like close to the finish line, but they don't want to take it past the finish line, which is kind of annoying to me. So... Yeah. You know, it's always, I don't know, maybe 10 years from now, it'll be something that's completely, um, like, everything is virtual. But right now, it's this weird blend of of online and in-person that I find really annoying. I don't want to do anything in person except show up and watch a movie. I believe the nerds call that omni-channel. So, <laughs> moving on to our ticketing options this year and what you said uh, pinged something for me, me and the the three ladies that were in front of me in line talked about the options this year. And what we realized is we are all concerned about the alleged mobile ticketing option. So like when I pulled up my QR code, first of all, the person working for the festival didn't even recognize it as something that was scannable. Second, we don't trust that they will have enough scanners that they will be charged. Or as one of them pointed out to me when she did another festival, she said, especially at theaters where there isn't great lighting, like the Bloor or Isabel Bader, well, the people you... who were scanning didn't know that they needed to be in brighter light well, sometimes to scan I've, it. Well, I've been, uh, where do I go all the time? Actually, it's uh, at the Cineplex when I get them to scan my scene card. They always say, can you turn up your phone to its maximum brightness? Yeah, but if you're coming in from the outdoors, but you're just in the door of the Bloor, yeah. and the person's standing just inside in the yeah. shade, that's like the least optimal situation yeah. to try to yeah. scan something off your phone. So we were all like... And plus, you don't want to wait for people to like, oh, I don't know how to change my screen brightness. Like, I yeah, mean, there, I yeah. bet you there's like, I bet you about 75%, I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating, but I feel like a lot of people with smartphones do not know how to change the brightness on their screen. Yeah. So if there's a lot of people... It's, just, it's at the default and they never change it. ...who go for the scanning option, I feel like there's also going to be a log jam at certain doors where you have to like get shuffled over the person with a scanner and whatnot. It's going to be a mess. I'm going for hard tickets Wait, this so year. Wait, so you're saying that... An for this year, I'm... But, so we talked about this a few podcasts so, ago, but... So confirmed in my email from Tiff now, our options are, we'll call, select this method to pick up your, your package and hard tickets yeah. at your festival box office starting September 6th at 9 a.m., September 5th at 9 a.m. for Tiff members. You must present photo ID, credit card at the box office. Right. Or mobile. Select this method to view and present your ticket to be scanned from a mobile device 
Log into your TIF account manager on a mobile device to view all of your tickets attached to your account. You can also digitally transfer tickets to your guests using this method. Okay. That sounds dirty. Oh, that's interesting. Print at home. Select this method to receive your tickets as PDF, a thing I couldn't do for my program book, yeah. attached to an email. Yeah. This allows you to print your tickets at your convenience from your home printer. Each ticket must be printed on a separate page. Why? So for will call, um, I think that's the option I'm going with. For mobile and print at home, you will still have to deal with some volunteer with a scanner. These are dangerous. I am not doing this. But to my earlier point, uh, so why should it matter if each barcodes are individual? So why can't you... But you get someone a piece of paper, you're going to photocopy that 20 times. Yes, and give it but, to all your friends. but if they're... Sca- but that's the thing. So if you're... So sc- it's only, you still need someone so with a scanner. Thing. So let's say that... Okay, so in the scenario there, that you're setting up, um, uh, I printed at home. I print five copies at home. They have to have some way of saying that this ticket has already been fulfilled. So it shouldn't matter if you have a hard ticket, a mobile ticket, or a printed home ticket, if they're being scanned into something. Yeah, but you still have to wait for the line for the scanner versus just having a ticket and walking in. And I feel like right, especially no, those no, but, theaters like the Ryerson no, but my point like is six doors. No, but my point is, so why can't you have, why shouldn't I be able to go and physically pick up my tickets if I want to, but also have the option to have it on my mobile phone and to print it at home. Like, like I don't why do I have to choose one and like yes, that's, because, because, I'm ride or die with that method Yes, because the if all these tickets are being scanned in, because otherwise print at home means I could photocopy. So there has to be a way to prevent multiple uses of the same ticket, right? Yes. So why should it be an either or? It should be, I would like to choose all of them. I'll take the physical tickets or I'll take the mobile because I'm very comfortable with mobile. But, you know, why in case my phone dies, especially on those long-ass festival days, your phone can die if you don't have battery backup. And if you're here so and you're going to a, a movie at the Ryerson, copy of my, of my ticket? that's hard. That's what I do so at the airport. So Air Canada has a mobile app, which I use all the time. But I always print out my boarding pass um, I mean, I do two things. I print it out online, and then just for extra safe, I print it out at the airport. So I have it on my phone because it's convenient. But in case something happens to my phone, I always have a printout. And no one else can scan in as me, so I don't know why you're limited to one. That seems dumb to me. I would, and I would never choose the mobile option just because what if, I, what if something happens to my phone? And then I can't, like, that's just, so I would never choose it, and that's the only choice that I had. Here's the thing. I love being right, but I'm <laughs> sad about being this right about how unusable the site would be this year. But this isn't what the listener tuned in for. They tuned in for our top picks. Well, they heard most of oh, yours yeah. Yeah. over our previous two episodes before the Floyd one. Uh, I'm going to go through the ones that I've done now that I've gone through the program book after we break to fill up these drinks. Will mine's still full? What's happening? B. I don't know how you're just. I'm still sobering. Full. It's no, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's probably good. We'll be back. And we're back. Oh, I didn't realize. I thought we were gonna get drinks in the interim. But you still have so much wine. Well, yeah, I thought that. Do you want another one? Well, we can we can stop partway through. Okay, fine. Yeah, because it makes it sound like I'm alcohol dependent. Well, I I can give a more abbreviated version. While you have a sort of six category taxonomy of picking, mm. mine is pretty much. Um, is it from Australia or New Zealand? Which means it was probably picked by Jane. Is yeah. it picked by Jane? Is it picked by Colin? What you saying? Is it like... picked by Cameron or is it picked by Tom? And then the rest is: yeah. is there an other as a lead or sort of second lead? Is there an other as the director or the writer? 
And after you get through that, because they bring so many feature-length films into the festival, all I need to do is fill in the gaps with anything that seems interesting to me. And Bob's my uncle. I can start building my schedule. Well, I mean, since you're going to be doing the majority of talking, then I can... But you can respond to my... Yeah, but I'm, I'm just trying to calibrate my, my sipping. So should I start from the bottom or like finish with the one I'm most excited about? I think I want to force people to listen yeah, to the you, whole thing. Yeah, yeah, like start with the, with the bottom. Okay, so the one I'm most excited about, <laughs> I heard nothing about before bottom. this, but I was like so jazzed when I saw it, but you're not going to hear about it yet. Uh, one that I was really excited about because of the title is called I Am Not Your Negro. It's in the TIFF Docs program. So is your list um, in reverse order? or is I'm it... just going all over the place. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. Okay. And it was programmed by Cameron Bailey. And it's about a writer who, when his publisher was asking for some, I don't know if it was like information or like seller timeline, uh, he was basically like, yeah, no. So, uh, I copied this this little snippet from the Precy. It's about James Baldwin. It's about James Baldwin, but I did copy this little snippet from the Precy. This was like what pushed me over the edge into like a hard green. And unless there's a a time conflict with two other sort of like number one slot movies, Mm -hmm. I will hopefully be seeing this. Uh, This snippet, you cannot lynch me and keep me in the ghettos without becoming something monstrous yourselves. And furthermore, you give me a terrifying advantage. You never had to look at me. I had to look at you. I know more about you than you know about me. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. I feel like this is similar to, there was this lady professor who did this exercise to kind of explain to people how otherness, exclusion, everything else worked. It's called The Bluest Eye or The Blue Eye. There's, that's a Toni Morrison Book, but no, there, no, no, no. So there oh. was, there was. She was a, she was a teacher. She would, yeah. go to classroom. She would separate her. Oh, imagine that you are the only this in a room. Imagine. Oh no, there, no, 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 no. This is another. Okay, thing. this is another one. Okay. Yeah. So this was like a. I think it was a white lady professor, and she was like, mm-hmm. okay, so imagine you are in every room you walk to, walk into, the only one of what you are. Right. Imagine you're the only, you know, this. You're the only that. Every store you walk into, every job interview you walk into, yeah. every meeting you walk into, imagine you're the only one that's different, mm-hmm. and it is still today like something that people refer to. But yeah, so this is, uh, in 1979, James Baldwin wrote a letter to his literary agent describing his new endeavor, the writing of his final book. This looks amazing. It was programmed by Cameron, and I feel like, and throughout my top picks, you'll see a theme that's emerging. While I have never spoken directly to Cameron about Anything aside from telling him on the street that his suit looks awesome. <laughs> I feel like everything that's happening in TIFF this year is a response to our constantly bemoaning the lack of Planet Africa. The fact that the City to City series is from Lagos in Nigeria. The fact that there are movies called Legit, I Am Not Your Negro in the festival. I feel like this is Cameron's answer to the Wither Thou Planet Africa because this year, Tiff not so white. Yeah, I mean that has to. I mean that's so much in the zeitgeist. So clearly, what's happened at the Oscars last year has to. I mean, I'm not saying they're cynical. I'm saying they're smart. Uh, that they are 
spotting the trend and getting out ahead of it. And because TIFF has so much juice behind it, there's also the possibility to launch a, a, a film um, by African-American or, uh, or black filmmakers and to have it become part of the Oscar conversation. Because um, we know like, like so, so many Oscar winners start at TIFF. So I think they're like, yeah, you know what? Like this is something that we can, we can actually impact change positively. Um, so I, I choose to see it as a, it's opportunistic, but it's opportunistic in a way that benefits everybody. So, um, and I think TIFF is, you know, TIFF has traditionally done well by black films anyway. Like, there's always movies from the diaspora at, at TIFF. And this year, and, you know, it's like uh, chicken or egg. Are we just noticing it because it's something that we're more attuned to? Or has TIFF actually upped their game? Um, and I don't necessarily know that they've upped their game. I think it just might be because it's so much, it's so much more a part of the conversation than it was this time last year. I can't remember the last time there was this much, though, especially because of the City to City series. Right. I feel like yeah. there hasn't been this much that's easy to find right. since the days of Planet Africa. But, but, but once again, it's like confirmation bias, right? Like, we're looking forward, so we're seeing it. Uh, we could go back to, you know, to five years ago and to see, we might be like, oh, my God, there's so many black films here. We just didn't notice because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, as top of mind back then as it was as it is now so the other thing that it looks like based on the casting for this the only cast that's mentioned on the site is samuel l jackson i'm trying to like confirm by getting a second i'm guessing he's, i'm guessing he's the narrator so i'm guessing he's the narrator for this narrator. so that would be amazing yeah a movie called i am not your negro narrated by sam jackson well, I mean, he will... Do you even need to read what it's about? Or you just, like, at least gets on your maybe list? Like, if someone gave you a ticket to it without any obligation, it was at the Ryerson, you had a hole in your schedule, oh, would totally you, like... Go. Okay, so. You wouldn't be like, what's it about, whatever. All they would have no. to say is, and here's a that, ticket, and I it's think called he, I'm Not Your Negro, and, and it's got Sam Jackson narrating. And a good interpreter of uh, Baldwin's uh, prose and poetry, too, so I think he... Like, I assume he'll be reading passages from his book. Yeah, hopefully he can get some of that Apple commercial money that the estate of Maya Angelou is getting right now. With uh, this, <laughs> I think I saw two commercials last night with her voice because there was the Still I Rise I have, used in some cable. other commercial, and then there was the We Are More Alike Than Unalike poem. I forget what that one's called. But yeah, like they're using that one for an Apple commercial. We can watch that in our next uh, oh. drink break. But anyway, Maya Angelou, so hot right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, during the uh, during Wimbledon, uh, there was a little. Uh, so I was watching the BBC coverage, and uh, Venus Williams had like they had, like these little vignettes, and she uh, recited. Um, Phenomenal woman. No, still I rise. Oh, still I rise. Oh, yeah, that's like in. I kind of still want like the the, in, the the Williams sisters to do a phenomenal woman, kind of. Well, t- tweet at them. I will. But uh, yeah, so it was just a. It was a, It was all super slow mo of like. You know, of, of, of Serena, like, bouncing balls in the dirt. And then uh, she was uh, reciting Maya Angelou, which I think is her... Um, like, this is the first time. Like, I think this, this poem means a lot to her. Um, but it was actually really cool. And then she went on to win Wimbledon, so there was that. All right, all right, all right. Well, we're going to take a drink break and continue to be woke and go through some of my other top picks for TIFF 16. You only made one. Yeah, but so we... At this rate, it's going to take... But yeah, we're not going to get through all of them today. Like okay. it's still like okay, fine. 
the festival doesn't start for like over 10 days. Keep your powder dry. But you want you want people to have the benefit of your wisdom in order to make their picks. I will post it this weekend. What? Yeah. No, but I mean, if you only pick one now. Yeah, or, we're going to do more. I know, but I'm saying like, if you save your best until next week, then people would have already chosen. So what's the point? You know what I'm saying? In the words of Vanessa Williams, you save the best for last. And we're back. Yes. Segment three. And you're standing. Yeah, I am standing because reasons. Well, well, if you don't stand for anything, then you'll fall for everything. I like that. And also my legs were getting tired and my dog was sitting on my legs and I'm tired of her sitting on my legs. So I figured I'd stand and stretch it out a bit. So that's, that's why. The struggle is real. But she's still sitting, so it worked out for her. So one of the things, I thought I was mostly through my first pass at the program book because I did Midnight Madness before when we were doing our early picks. Right. However, I realized I almost missed Vanguard. I had like a mini meltdown. I was like, did they get rid of Vanguard? But it's still there. Much like in Paris and Burning, Paris is Burning, the voice was still there. So one of the movies I was most excited about in Vanguard was Message from the King. This has uh, Chadwick Boseman as the lead. If you were to look at this movie and just read the pricey and have nothing about the attributes of the person, you would think this is your traditional dark Korean revenge flick that you would find in the Vanguard program. However, it's Chadwick Boseman. You may know him as Black Panther. Or James Brown. Yes, or... I who <laughs> didn't he play Jackie Robinson as well? Um, yes, in forty two or whatever it was called, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All the black icons, yeah. all of them. Following the footsteps of Jean Louis, Jean Louis Trigonel, <laughs> whatever I don't know, in Outside Man, Terrence Stamp in The Limey, and Takeshi Kitano in Brother, Bozeman's antihero arrives in L.A. as if visiting from another planet, alienated, disoriented, but grimly and single-mindedly fixated on his dark purpose, a mission from which he will not be deterred. This is a program by Colin Geddes. Next to uh, Jane, Colin is one of the programmers that I find my tastes most aligned with yes. in terms of whimsy and violence based on comeuppance. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, so basically, if you watch Game of Thrones seasons one through five and then thought, you know what, six, you're finally giving me some of what I want, you may also like Colin Getty's movies. Because it gets dark, but the people have been through stuff. So when they do horrible things, your hero, anti-hero, whatever you want to call them, if they were to ose someone's throat after feeding them their relatives, you think oh, they've... It, they've earned it. In the words of the weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. So the kinds of movies you find in the Vanguard section often follow that vein, but they're usually like weird Korean things. So I'm super interested because I don't think I've ever seen a black male lead, recently at least, in sort of a revenge flick in the Vanguard program. I know that's like narrowing my filter options a lot. And I mean, you have like an angry... um, Oh, Denzel in that movie. But like a young hot? No, you get like Denzel basically playing black Clint Eastwood in things, but you don't get like a young guy doing it. So super, super excited about that one. Wasn't expecting it, hadn't heard anything about it before, didn't know it was getting made. One of the other movies that I was interested in, it's called, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Kati Kati. Uh, It has, as a description, this person wakes up in a desolate wasteland 
and they realize they're basically in some version of purgatory. And oh. they describe it as uh, waking up in a wasteland with no memory and then realizing you're dead. Oh, God. I and don't they sh- even say it has echoes of afterlife, which, I as don't. you know, af- The Japanese film, which I didn't like. Is one of my I favorite didn't, movies. I didn't like it. But, but yeah. because you're dead inside. Well, I, apparently I should be dead outside. That's actually... Um, oh, I saw that. Uh, Here's Bill. That is a, that's t- terrifying, and this is just a small tangent, but I was reading, a, I don't know where the article came from, but essentially it was about uh, people who were in comas, and, um, you know, I don't want to go in a, into a coma, but I, you know, hoped that a coma would be like a nice nap, and different people experience it differently. Some people are like, yeah, I was in a coma for six months, and it felt like um, it was immediate. Other people like have... Like a day spa? Other people have harrowing tales of having extremely vivid dreams and hearing things that people are saying when they're in the room and experiencing that in a coma would be the, that's, uh, I mean, I don't believe in the afterlife, but that is, I think, probably the closest to an afterlife experience that a human being could have is to be in, an, I don't know, like a six month coma and be experiencing everything happening around you, but not being able to actually articulate anything like that's just terrifying so that when you read this description well this sounds more like a mix of uh we close slash no exit and afterlife because there's other people that the main character i don't know anything said, i don't know what you said um so no exit is basically uh a book by jean paul sartre that has one of my favorite lines Ooh, sartre. um hell is other people yes okay so sartre basically these people like wake up and realize like they're trapped in a room or they're just in a room with three other people right three or four other people, and eventually they realize that they're in hell, and that this is You described is not, every meeting I've ever been in. Exactly. This isn't, you know, layers of shit up to yeah. your neck. This yes. isn't, you know, fire. This isn't pokers. This isn't torture. Hell is literally just being trapped in a room with, like, yeah. a bunch of other unpleasant people and being unable to leave. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. It sounds super interesting. But we're going to get to my top pick. Well, hold on. After okay. we take a break. Because I'm not going to talk about everything in here. Oh, so you're hopscotching? I'm hopscotching, but also I'm not giving... I'm just giving them a taste. But are you going to... I spent a lot of time going through that book. I'm not just giving oh, this away. Oh, I dig. So this is for you. It's not for them. Well, I mean, it's for all of us. But, but, not, but it's like... It's like... Uh, Letting someone copy no, up it, your homework and then moving yes. your arm after oh, God. you know they have part of it written? Uh, oh, I, I didn't That's get a, a dick move. I've had people say, oh, God, I didn't get a class. Can I get your notes? And I took great notes in school, like perfect penmanship and Have you very ever done that notes. and then just like and I was left like, out two pages? No, but, I, but I've done it. Like one time this person asked me, this dude who I barely knew, I'm like, why are you asking me? And, but because I'm a people pleaser, sort of, I gave him the notes and I was like, fuck, why did I give him the notes? Like this... First of all, I wouldn't ask him for his shitty nose. I don't even think he's that smart. So it actually, it, it burned me. And, you know, like now, 20 years later, I'm still burned by it because it makes me really mad. Um, yeah, I, I forget what the original topic of conversation was. But, yeah, like don't, you don't, uh, what is it? Uh, who said it? It was, it was Eminem. Like, uh, you can't take what you didn't help me get. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Also, I'd love some mom spaghetti right now. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll be back. And we're back. Mm-hmm. Segment five? I don't even know. I think it's five. It's probably four. Yeah, well, We've I think been, it's five. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We've been day drinking. So, the pick I'm most excited about, the movie that, when I was going through the book, most surprised me, based on the description, and that I had heard nothing about before, 
this is one of the ones I'm most excited about seeing. And even if it's bad, I still think I'll enjoy it, but I don't think it'll ever be that bad. So let's go back to a little movie called Girl Fight. I saw this. Prove them wrong. That was a tagline of that movie. At Free Friday Films. Karen Kasama. Toronto, University of Toronto has this thing called FFF. I don't even know if they still do it called Free Friday Films, where they screen films in like some poorly appointed room with like horrible seating. Right. And that was the first time I ever saw Girl Fight. It was free. Yeah. And I went with somebody who's actually still in university. It was many, many years ago. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. It was amazing. So not, good. Yeah. Not, not, neither filmmaker nor uh, star. So it was Michelle Rodriguez's uh, debut. And neither one of them have achieved those heights ever again. They probably should work together again. That would be amazing. Yeah. So first of all, there's that. Like I saw Michelle Rodriguez before. I even could have conceived of her as a thing. It was a complete accident. It's not even like seeing that movie at like a film festival or something. I saw it in basically the equivalent of, you know, a room that was slightly more well-appointed than a high school gym. Yeah. In a folding chair. And just thought, this is amazing. This is a really great movie. This is a fantastic performance. Who is this woman? Fell in love. And then, you know, years pass, and you have your Lost, you have your Fast and the Furious, you have your whatever with her, you have many other movies with so-called badass females, Mm -hmm. and really, if you think of the the one-two punch of a Ripley and a Linda Hamilton (laughs) as really the the mothers of this genre of women who aren't the girlfriend, Michelle Rodriguez, I feel like, along with the Gina Carano... Or, I mean, some may argue, as Zoe Saldana, if they allow her to not be green or blue, or other people. Like, there's there's another generation of women that are ready to take on that mantle, but it hasn't happened, at least in my opinion, that much yet. I feel like the closest we've come is that one moment in Civil War when Black Panther's guard lady said, move or you will be moved, to Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> and I just thought, I could just watch a whole movie of these two ladies staring each other well, down. Well, hopefully we thing. get that opportunity, but... Uh... But um, actually, Michelle Rodriguez in uh, Machete, uh, and I pronounce it the Mexican way, uh, was really, really, really good. It's just that um, a lot of these, especially when it comes to tough girl roles, so there was the one that was, um, uh, I'm, don't even ask, I'm, like, I'm going to screw up all the titles, but the one uh, with Zoe Saldana where she was a... Um, Colombian. Yep. And then the one with um, Salma Hayek. Which wasn't that, it was a couple of years ago, and it was kind of, she was basically had to fight her way out of a locked room. The movie really flew under the radar. But it's strange. We live in a time where movies like this are, they're, they're really B movies. So, uh, it's, so Michelle Rodriguez has made a career of playing tough females, but she's made them in a whole bunch of movies that are, you know, except for the Fast and Furious movies. They're all like direct to video or B movies that no one ever sees. But like she definitely, I can't even imagine a world in which Michelle Rodriguez plays like the female romantic lead. She's just she's not built for that. She just she isn't. I can't imagine a world where people don't hear the term "ride or die" and instinctively think of her. Well, I don't think of her necessarily. I always think of who do I think of? I think that's a Fast and Furious thing though. But anyway, hmm. so anyway, the movie oh, but, they that, didn't, but they didn't invent that. So there's she didn't invent it, but I feel like she's yeah. perfected well, it. Well, I haven't really watched those movies, so. So I'm flipping for the book, and I see a picture of Michelle Rodriguez holding a gun to somebody who's sort of behind my view, and 
already I'm in. I'm leaning in. I want to know more. And then I read the summary and I realize... Wait, so this is your top pick of all of this? This is my top pick of like things that I didn't know anything about before. But it's maybe my top pick this okay. year. Like I haven't seen it. But right. this is the one I'm yeah. most excited about. Like this is what I love about the festival. This is a movie that I heard nothing about. And I also So why think do you say what it's called? I, we'll get there. But also, I wonder, when Michelle Rodriguez was maligned in 2015 for talking about how uh, there was this, it was more of like a social media kind of thing where people tried to drag her because she said, maybe don't try to steal roles from white people, like superhero roles, like make your own. I wonder if she had just read the script or was working on this movie. Right. Because I feel like, based on what I see from the description of this movie this may have been in her mind when she made that comment, so she wasn't making it maliciously, and I even believe it more now Mm -hmm. after reading the Precy. The movie's called Reassignment. The letters R and E are in brackets. That is Reassignment. And the part of the Precy that will really sell it for you is this. There's a doctor. Okay. I was like, am I supposed to be reading this? Uh, a doctor, uh, not just a doctor, but a cosmetic surgeon, mm-hmm. Sigourney, played by Sigourney Weaver, Ripley, Ripley. Yeah. is brilliant, but an unhinged cosmetic surgeon. First seen, straight-jacketed in an interrogation room. Calmly, and not without pride, she recounts to her psychiatrist, played by Tony Shalhoub. Well, that's not a selling point, but anyway. How she got there. A low-life killer named Frank Kitchen <laughs> killed her brother... So she took her ultimate revenge. She captured him <gasps> and conducted I'm just ahead. Oh my god. Full gender <laughs> reassignment <laughs> surgery. Oh my god. Now Frank brackets Michelle motherfucking ride or die Rodriguez is forced to face <laughs> the world as a woman. Oh my god. Confused, comma, pissed off, comma, and as macho as ever. Basically, Michelle Rodriguez yes. default. She's oh out God. for her own vengeance. Programmed by Cameron Bailey. Oh, okay. I, I, I oh Jesus! Okay, I'm, I'm actually putting this on top of my list. In, I. This is. I'm telling else. you, Cameron. It doesn't even have to be good. This premise alone, just reading this premise, gave me pleasure. The first wow. time I read this, I was like, "Is my chair wet?" I was. I was so excited. I had to look around to see if I'd made an audible sound of pleasure. This is why I love the festival. This movie, <laughs> I just, I can't. I mean, it's just, I'm excited. This movie does not yet even have distribution. This well, only has sales agents. It has an international yep. sales agent. I'll buy it. And a U.S. sales agent. And I'll tell you why. One, the premise, two, it's a female lead. So even yeah. though this is the best fucking elevator pitch I may have ever read in my life, it doesn't even have distribution yet. And it's got somebody who's been in many, many popular properties. But I'm guessing this movie hasn't, um, it hasn't... Um, Who the fuck cares? No, but this is a premiere, right? It's, 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 yeah. it's a world premiere? Yeah. So it's still, it, yeah. it's, you know, it's a small movie. It's an unknown entity. But it, um, it, it doesn't have, like, people who are out there, like, shilling for bucks. It's got Michelle Rodriguez, no, it has Tony a, Shalhoub. It has an interesting cast. Anthony LaPaglia. Caitlin Gerard. Caitlin Gerard was actually on the first uh, season of American Crime, and she was amazing. 
But it's no one, Sigourney Weaver but, Ripley but, herself. But nobody knows who she is. Um, no, I am. I would totally see this film. Yeah, I was but holding I, this back. But I wanted like your genuine reaction. Yes, but like, yeah, but I'm not surprised that a movie like this uh, and it hasn't premiered anywhere else. I'm not surprised it doesn't have distribution. But hopefully, it is as good as the premise promises that it is, and it gets distribution. That would be fantastic. Uh, and you know, Michelle Rodriguez playing like hyper butch might be like too much for the world to handle. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I that would just be her it. playing her though. It kind of, it's kind of yeah, like Kristen Stewart and equals a, a world where you aren't allowed to have emotions. It's yes. like, okay. occasionally you get cast in your, <laughs> yeah, the role you, you were born to play. This is her. This is it. Well, yeah, like I, but you know, she's going to present with a certain swagger. It can be very, I, I expect to be like giggling and uncomfortable with her presence. I just... That's hilarious. I can't. And, you know, and she's like... She like doesn't have to change anything about her affect but she's to the, play a man who's angry yes. that somebody yes. put him in the body of a, a woman. woman. And she has definitely gone to the gun range, not for the shooting, but for the arms. I think she's gone to the gun range no, look for at, fun, both. Yeah, but... Like, no, like the actual gun range No, but she's and, got some muscle mass yeah, there. a little so. more than usual. So this yeah. is a... No, I... Uh, you know what? I am... Uh, if I don't get a ticket to this, I'll kill myself. Yeah. Well, maybe not. I'll just wait till it comes out in video. But you know, this this sounds fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad I could give you yeah, a surprise. Yeah, no, this, this is actually yeah. makes me happy. This is my kind of thing. I feel like these are like those rare moments when you actually respect me. It kind of gives me joy. Well, it could be a huge hit, or it could be a colossal miss. But I don't want it. My worst fear but I don't is care that it, if it's a miss, I feel like the least. But I don't want it to moments. Yeah, I don't want it to land in the middle. I want it to go all out and to to be as bold as it can be. And either it doesn't work or it does work. Um, but movies like this, like there was a couple years ago, there was a movie with, um, with Saoirse Ronan and uh, Gemma Arterton, and they were like a mother and daughter vampire pair. And I forget what it was called, but it was a really good movie, but it was just, it just, it, it was what it was. It actually steered into the concept, and it was wonderful. So when you read something like that on paper, you're like, well, this could be terrible, but I like the actors, so I'll give it a chance, and hopefully it'll surprise me. So, listener, along with Mel's picks from the two episodes before Running with Barbecue and this, I feel like we've done enough of your homework for you. Yes. We'll have at Each least one to each one. Another episode before most people have their selection window. Yeah, so my selection window is on August 31st. Mine uh, is on I, August 28th because I, I a, give them a ton of money. Yes. I give them no money, and I, um, I, but I think I do. You do all right. Well, I think I'm... I don't know when the last day is, but considering that you are a member and I'm a non-member, and there's only three days between us, I think I'm probably very close to, um, the, uh, to the top for the non-members to pick. So I actually am pretty confident that I'll get everything that I choose. All right. All right, all right, all right. Well, once again, we are Mel and P, talking to you from Borderline Sobriety. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully, happy festival to you all. Yes. Uh, and uh, my only... Uh, adv- oh, you know what we were going to talk about? What we didn't? So maybe we have to tease this for the next one. Is places to eat near the Ryerson. Yes. During the festival. I actually live in the Garden District. <laughs> it's the only theater yeah. that's outside sort of the new yep. festival village area. But there's there's a there's a lot of... Well, not a lot, but... There's uh, a few there's like, some good really eateries. delicious. It's, we're on the come up. Like a few years ago, it was a real shit show around here, but it's become a little bit better. So there's a lot of uh, little hidden gems in the neighborhood. So Oh, well, and, you will see a lot of people scratching themselves and asking for money. One of them may be me. Um... <laughs> 
But yeah, so we'll talk about that the next time because that's closer to the festival. So it's, yeah. it's information that we can sit on for now. Yeah. All right. See you soon. Bye. Oh, yeah. Okay, bye.